welcome back and thanks for tuning in to Oil & Gas Onshore, where I am on a relentless pursuit to bring value, unity, and information to the energy industry one conversation at a time. So sit back, relax, and remember that even this very device you're listening on requires some form of hydrocarbon. This episode is brought to you by our new sponsor for the Oil & Gas Onshore podcast. A big shout out to Technip FMC, a company who truly represents the future of the oil and gas industry. Hey everybody, I want to take a quick minute to tell you something that I'm really excited about. I've recently teamed up with Hitched Inc., one of the biggest and fastest growing tech startups in oil and gas. You've probably seen them all over LinkedIn. From generators to light towers, pumps to forklifts, use Hitch to pair your company with reliable rental suppliers and eliminate the hassle of logistics through the use of an in-app platform. Hit me up on LinkedIn if you'd like to schedule a demo. Welcome to this week's episode. We're actually here in the virtual world with Chris Walker, Chief Revenue Officer at Hitched. Chris, buddy. How you doing today? I'm good, man. How are you? Doing well, actually. All with all, you know, with all things considering, I'm doing really well. And I mean, I could obviously talk about all the crazy stuff that's going on right now. But you know, I posted something on LinkedIn the other day and said that the internet was single handedly the most important tool we had right now. And to be able to be connected with the rest of the world and with family and friends, obviously, is most important. But to be able to conduct business in times like this, and not necessarily generating revenue because a lot of people aren't, but to be able to at least set yourself up for success after this, I think is, is, is extremely important. But thank goodness for technology. And that's allowing us to sit here today and chat. And, you know, we've kind of known each other a little, you know, for a little while here. But, you know, most importantly, how's everyone doing in the Walker household right now? Your family's doing good? Yeah, man. Family's good. We've got a little home office set up here. I've got my two older kids running around upstairs, which you'll probably hear their footprints because they're quite heavy of foot. <laughs> nice. born, just getting fed behind me my brother-in-law's here who worked at, works at hitch and in our basement and we're just you know adapting to the times and doing what we need to do to really keep our business going and to help as many people as we can yeah most certainly and i think you hit it on the head is right now i think the biggest thing people could do is is help right because everyone needs something right now and so you know certainly helping people is, is what it's all about but what are your i mean just in a nutshell what are your overall thoughts on things right now, you know, with everything going on? I mean, is it coincidence? Is it conspiracy? Like, what do you think is going on right now? Man, I'm not a big conspiracy guy and it's pretty bad. I'm not the best person that keeps up with the current, you know, crisis in the news, but this one has been a little crazy. I think that the biggest thing that at least in our house, what we're focusing on is just keeping people safe and doing mm -hmm. the right things, you know, humanizing this whole deal and trying to make sure that everyone is trying to help as many people as we can, take care of your your families, be safe, right? Yeah. For example, all, all of our employees are working from home. You know, we're, we want everyone to be safe, right? This is a, we've never experienced this, at least in our generation, where mm -hmm. there's something of this magnitude. And I think that the biggest thing that me personally, that I, I see with all this is just keeping people safe. That's the number one priority for me and, and yep. our family. Yeah, no, it's it's crazy because, you know, you hear a lot of like there's always going to be the the people out there, the haters that are saying, oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. But all we can really do is control what we can control. <laughs> and if it means locking everyone up in your house and not letting anyone go anywhere, that's what you got to do. And then and then just utilizing the resources that we have to source whatever it is that we need to help people around us. But anyway, so the first time we spoke over the phone actually is funny because I could sense a little bit of home coming from you, which ironically enough, we're from the same province which is British Columbia, Canada. Tell all of the listeners, you know, where are you from originally and, and how you ended up in Utah slash Houston, Texas? 
Yeah, so I've I've kind of lived all over the place. I spent half of my life in Phoenix, Arizona. I spent half of my life in Vancouver, BC, as well as just traveling all over the different provinces of Canada. You know, I spent majority of my life as a hockey player, working my way up through the ranks. And, and once upon a time, I played at a pretty high level. But at that time, and after that, I just kind of and I met my wife down in Arizona when she was in university. And from there, she grew up here in Salt Lake City. And we decided we wanted to raise our family here. And then about four years later, we I joined the Hitch team and as well as my wife. My wife works for Hitch as well. And we've decided to take our family to Houston, where the majority of our business is. And that's kind of that journey and a quick overview. But yeah, I spent a lot of time up north and I would say majority or at least half of my life was spent in a province in Canada. Yeah, no, that's cool. Do you miss back home? Or I, I don't know what you consider home, but uh, do you miss BC? I do a lot. It's such a beautiful place. I mean, it's pretty unmatched when it comes to the beauty of of just nature and, and the people and the, just the food, the culture. It's such a great place. Yeah, no, I, I can certainly identify with you. I mean, born in Calgary, Alberta, then bounced over to BC with my mom when I was five. And, you know, growing up in Vernon, they call it Lake Country, which is also known as the Okanagan. We're surrounded by by lakes, mountains, just all sorts. It's, I wouldn't say it's necessarily cultural, but it's got its own unique culture. It's very laid back, kind of, you know, I would consider it almost like the California of Canada. You know, a lot of great people come out of there, a lot of which end up staying there and not doing much. But I ended up electing to, to get out of there and get into the oil field when I was 18. But, you know, growing up there, it's, it's a place that you don't really know what you have until, you, until you're gone from it. And, you know, being in Calgary for a few years or quite a few years, it was nice because it wasn't that far away. So I could, you know, once my hitch was done on the rig, I could hop in my truck and seven and a half hours be back, you know, in the Okanagan. But, you know, especially moving down here to Texas, I don't see any of that. And so now looking up, it's like thinking, you know, when my old man was bugging me on a Saturday morning to go out on the crystal glass water to go do some wakeboarding or water skiing. And I bugged him about just wanting to sleep in. I look back, I'm like, man, I should have done that. I don't know what the hell was I thinking? But, you know, we got to make the best of it. And I'm hoping one day to be back there. That's, that's why I joined the oil field so I could afford enough for all the toys and shit like that to be back to the Okanagan, hopefully one day. Oh, absolutely. It's there's no place like it. I mean, the, the water sports, the just just the whole culture of of lake country, as you put it, is just it's unmatched. Yeah, no, it's it's amazing. So you mentioned hockey. I grew up a snowboarder, but I certainly, you know, being Canadian, have a lot of friends and even family that are really into hockey. And how would you describe going, you know, moving the ranks and, and like how has playing at I would consider a professional level helped you in, in your career? with regards to discipline, you know, teamwork, leadership. Can you touch on that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, when it comes to the hockey world, especially, and a lot of people don't really know a ton about it, is you have to really grow up pretty quickly. You know, leaving home at a young age, being on your own, handling your business, you're really selling yourself to these teams. And because even, even in the junior ranks and the major junior ranks and the minor league ranks, all the way up to the National Hockey League, you're selling yourself, right? So being an athlete, in my opinion, is a sales job, right? You have to sell yourself right. every day, every practice, every game, every off-ice opportunity. You have to sell yourself and what your value is to the team, right? It doesn't matter if you're a 12-year-old kid playing, you know, just in your in your province or if you're trying to make a major junior club in Western Canada or if you're, you know, getting ready for the NHL combine, whatever it may be, you're having to sell yourself at a high level, right? For me personally, I, I kicked around the junior ranks. I played major junior 
Um, I got to kick around in the minors for a little bit. And my career ended because of a medical condition that I was diagnosed with when I was around 19. But okay. um, to even then, it was, you know, trying to resell yourself and figuring out what what value you can bring. And ultimately, I decided to leave the, the game of hockey as a professional and go into the corporate world and try to sell myself in that rank in that way and see what we could do. Nice, nice. So what would be your favorite memory that you have playing hockey? I mean, I, I know talking to folks that have played on some pretty high levels, do you, you guys are a different breed, I must say. But do you have any like one of the like the, one of your favorite memories from growing up and playing professional hockey? Honestly, my the biggest thing I'll tell you my, my the biggest thing I miss, right? Because I I think every athlete that is done playing gets asked the same question: like, do you miss it? Um, right. The biggest thing I miss is the camaraderie, right? Just just being with the boys and and having a good time. It's I love the sport, I love the game. But for me, it was the the camaraderie with your your teammates, your brothers. I think that is something that only certain people will understand if they played on a, on a team sport. I think team sports are the best way to transfer into the corporate world and into sales, especially because you have to be a team. And for me, I miss and like my, my favorite mem- all of my mem- favorite memories are just you know being out with the boys, practice games on road trips, you know, it's just, it's just fun, man. It's, it can be a grind, but the, there's something to be said for the camaraderie of a, of a team, a true team. Yeah, no, that's true. And and I think that translates even into business. You know, there's always, if you, if you've got a solid team with a good leader who creates a, an environment where culture and camaraderie exists, it can make work, not feel like work. And it can also, you know, it can feel like fun. And so, that's one thing, you know, that I've tried to do within my career and I'm sure you probably have too is like create that environment where not only do you work with the people but you also want to hang out with them because that's what generates success and, and transparency and and you know building confidence within each other I think is extremely important. So going, you know, further on you you went to was it Arizona State University, right? So I did a little bit of some schooling there but I never okay. actually finished my degree. I did some okay. technology work and some fitness training there. Um mm-hmm. This guy, I love love being active. Um, yeah. I met my wife at Arizona State. She's she's a graduate of Arizona State. I have a few personal training and strength coaching certifications through there. But, nice. Yeah. So I went back home after I retired. My parents live in Phoenix, and I met my wife, and we were in the fitness industry for a little while, and we're really enjoying our life down in Arizona. And then we started to have kids. We decided to come back to Salt Lake. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. You also did a bunch of keynote speaking as well, right? Yeah, yeah. So I'm still a keynote speaker for the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. The okay. medical condition I talked about earlier is I was diagnosed with Crohn's disease and ulcerative colitis at the age of 19. Okay. Um, for the past few years, I've been doing events with the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation here in the West Coast and in the Rocky Mountain chapter, just speaking on behalf of Crohn's patients and just going from event to event and telling my story a little bit and helping as many people as possible and to grow awareness of the disease and, and what it does and how how there's light at the end of the tunnel. Nice. Well, good for you. Well, it sounds like helping people is certainly something that you held strong to your heart. I mean, we're not going to go down the rabbit hole with that type of, you know, the disease and, and talking about Crohn's, but 
if someone out there, you know, just happens to listen to this and has been experiencing something like that, what would you consider to be the best resource for people to look and get information? Because right now we're in a world of information overload, but is there a good resource for something like that? Yeah, the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation is a great resource. They have a website you can go to. There's chapters all over the all over the world, really. Um, okay. And you can you, the biggest thing for people that with that are struggling is I would just advise them to talk about it. Don't be ashamed. Put yourself out there. Get some of these things off of your chest because there's nothing there's nothing super sexy about Crohn's disease or ulcerative colitis. But sure. talking about it really, really seems to help me and other people that I've, I've chatted with have said the same thing. Excellent. Well, I appreciate that little bit of input. So let's talk about the, the, the tech world. You said, I mean, just talking to you, I know you said your family was oil and gas, but you never thought yourself getting into oil and gas. But but here you are now, you know, being part of one of the you know biggest, fastest growing oil field tech startups. Why now and why oil and gas? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, as you touched on, I have some family that have worked in the oil and gas industry. My wife's had some family that's been in the oil and gas industry. And and I'll be honest, it was a kind of a foreign world for me besides just, you know, chatting around the dinner table about current situations in the market throughout my childhood. And for me personally, I got my start in in sales and corporate world in healthcare, moved into medical device. And then Lance Richardson, the co-founder of this company, he came to me and we were, we were having a conversation one day that led into a job offer. And if you've ever met Lance or talked to Lance and, you know, he's, he's one of the most passionate people alive, right? And when he okay. told me what he was doing and he told me where this was going, I could see the writing on the wall and I decided to make that jump. And it's been amazing. It's been a phenomenal journey. We've grown super fast. We've been able to help a lot of people. And I think that there's a lot to be said for that. And But when Lance Lance brought me in, I, I kind of jumped both feet first and said, let's let's give this a run. And here we are today. Nice. So and you might have to speak for Lance a little bit, but but how did Hitch get generated? Like, how, how did this all come about? And where was there a gap in the market that allowed Lance and I believe it's Adam, who also is one of the founders, to, to make this commitment you know, obviously take the risk, take their families and go, you know, because this is something like you said, you got to be all in. You can't, you can't half-ass it, especially with a startup. And in the tech world, there's, you know, being in oil and gas for as long as I have since 2004, you know, I've probably seen more tech startups pop up over the last year than I have in the last, you know, 15 plus years. And so it's like, you know, like where did they all of a sudden see the need for this and how did it actually get started? Yeah, great question. So, Adam Gillis and Lance Richardson are the co-founders of Hitched. This all came about with from a drive from San Antonio, Texas to Midland. They both come from the oil and gas industry, water transfer, roustabout. I mean, you name it, Adam's done it in, in the oil field. Lance as well with the oil and gas industry as well as construction. And they, they, they saw a need in the market for really just the simple problems that you know, operators, service companies, and suppliers face every day, which is the transaction, right? It's not hard for an operator to find equipment. It's not hard for, we call them end users to bid out a job, right? That that's pretty, I wouldn't say it's easy, but it's something that is done every single day. What I think the gap that really needed to be shortened was the back end of that transaction, right? The invoice, the payments, 
how it's handled, how it's sourced, where is it coming from, where is it going? Those are all things that I think that there really needed to be something to fill that gap. And what we've done is we've created a platform that one, you know, it solves a lot of those problems, the day-to-day nitty-gritty accounting, invoicing, all of that stuff with one single platform. Okay. So is it kind of like, shoot, VRBO meets Amazon for the oil field? (laughs) Yeah, very similar, right? You know, we've on sales demos, we hear people use the term Amazon for the oil field or Uber for the oil field. And, and it's very similar, right? These are all marketplaces, digital marketplaces in different markets. But the only gas industry, the industrial industry, I should say, because I mean, there's, there's a lot of, lot more gas out there, but the industrial industry is probably the most lucrative and oldest industry in North America, but it's still being done the way it was in the eighties. Yep. Oh, that's and that happens all throughout the oil and gas industry, and and we're slowly getting there. But adopting new technology, especially for folks that have done it for so long, it's painful. And and I've seen it from my end. And and that's one thing that I was going to ask you is what's what do you guys see the biggest challenges? Like when you go to a potential customer and you you know essentially give them your value proposition, do you guys see much hesitation or folks like you know what this is too good to be true. We need to get in on this. Like, how, how do you guys see that sort of unfolding? Yeah, that that's a great point, right? Not everyone's going to jump right in and say, yeah, this is the, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread. But there are definitely some people that have that are worried, right? Change is hard. Change is really, really hard. And if you've been doing something a certain way, running a profitable business, it's hard to look at things and say, well, what if we changed it? What if we changed the way that we look at this process? How do we fix what we're doing to maybe squeeze another five to 10% of profit out of what we're doing. That's a hard decision to make, especially for a mid to small size business. Not everyone is Chevron and Shell that can make these decisions. And if it fails, it's only one quarter that they screwed up. These are people's livelihoods that we're talking about here. So we do have to consider what's happening in the market and how to best make that transition. Um, So sometimes it's a very quick and easy transition. Other times it takes time and it's a process, but we just have to figure out what the best steps are and how we can benefit the customer in the best way, right? We're a service. We are a commodity service product and we're here to serve our customers. If we can't help them, what good are we? Right. No, that's exactly right. So how would you describe like a typical scope of work? So for people maybe who are who are so used to like, you know, the old school way of doing things, what would be the ideal scope of work for, say, a supplier of equipment? And then on the flip side, an end user, like, can you help bridge that gap? Yeah, absolutely. So on the provider side, and, and that's a great point, we do service both sides of the industry. On the provider side, what we do is we actually drive utilization. We're going to put you in front of more customers that you didn't have either the bandwidth or the time to put yourself in front of simply by being on the platform. What I mean by that is, you know, we have end users signing up daily that are looking to streamline their business and manage their business in a an operational standpoint and a finance standpoint that you that are now going to have access to your entire fleet if you are on the platform that you didn't have the day before. And so that on the provider side, that's our biggest driving indicator is we're going to we're going to drive your utilization by okay. 10% monthly. You said 10%? 10 to 15% monthly utilization. Wow, that's huge. I was not expecting 10%. That's so 
and then on the flip side, so that you're talking about the end user, right? So that was the provider. So the or end- sorry, yeah, sorry, the provider. And then, yeah. so as a provider, let's say I'm company XYZ and I've got equipment on the sidelines, a, a platform like yours would be available for them to put that on. And then an end user, which we're going to talk about next, is someone who essentially is also has a, you know, like a profile or, or if you will. And can you so talk about the end user and how they connect to each other? Yeah, yeah, it's a great point. So end users are, you know, and we'll stick to oil and gas are the operators and the service companies who are renting equipment or purchasing product, chemicals, water, sand, what have you. And basically for these end users is they're going on and they are streamlining everything that they they purchase or rent. A logistics person at a, any given operator and, you know, at any end user they are going to make 30 to 40 phone calls, set out bids, go in and try to manage this project or a job site. We use the term job site on the platform. And what Hitch does is they can go out and they can bid it out through the platform with their own user, right? So they're going to go in and they're going to say, okay, I want these light towers. I want this generator. And they can plan out their project months in advance um, mm-hmm. to streamline this whole process and figure out what's going to be best for them as a business, right? They can see the transparency in the market. They're going to see people's costs. They can set a preferred vendor. Maybe they have a vendor that they like to use. They can set a preferred vendor on the platform to say, yeah, I want to see Joe's rental company only. And that's who they're going to see. But then if they do want to test the market and see if they're paying the best price, you know, especially in this current climate right now, costs, costs are cut big time, yeah. right? So we need to figure out how to get a little bit more profit for an operator, right? If operator A is going to service company B and saying, hey, you need to cut your cost by 15 to 10%, service company is going to come to the provider of equipment and say, hey, you guys need to cut your costs so we can still hit our profits. With the Hitch platform, this is all done through a digital marketplace to track and give real-time data on where you're at and what you're actually spending. Oh, wow. So I guess the obvious question too is if you know you're an end user and you're you know you've you've got I mean because right now there's going to be a god awful amount of equipment sitting on the sidelines. How does someone, let's just say oil and gas X Y Z, go on and vet some of these people that are trying to get their equipment out on on the platform? Like, can you describe sort of the digital quality control that goes beyond behind the scenes? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great question, right? Something with the Hitch platform that we pride ourselves on is the quality of equipment and quality of products. You'll never see on here a 1997 bulldozer. You'll never see on here, you know, a random guy who's got a forklift sitting in his backyard that's been sitting in his, you know, sitting outside for two years and he decided, well, I want to make some money off this thing now. So I'm going to rent it out. That will never be found on the Hitch platform. We are a commodity service and we're only going to get, we're only as good as the service that we provide. And so the right. product and the equipment that's coming from the Hitch platform are top notch. Okay. That's good. And I mean, that's certainly, to, you know, I think a lot of concern out there, especially right now and, and people just, there's just going to be too much out there. And how do you actually know what you're getting? So let me ask you this as an end user, do they deal with hitched operationally or are you guys just like a, the transaction and sort of the supply chain part of it? So if like, let's say XYZ oil company wants to deal with Joe Blow's bulldozer, do they have to go through you or do they have that open communication like you would normally? 
Yeah, that's a great question. So we have a customer success team here at Hitch that manages all end users on the platform. So when you become an end user, a renter or a purchaser of products or equipment um, Mm -hmm. on Hitch platform, you are assigned a customer success manager who is now an extension of your logistics team, right? So if Hitched is your vendor on the, you know, and you're only going to be using Hitched, you will be working very closely with this customer success person who works with the logistics team at operator A, right? And what that means is you're going to have a full-time view, one digitally through the platform, so you can rent things on demand, or if you would like to use the customer success model, that's also an option for you as well. So we have a marketplace that you can go on and rent things on demand as long as you are an end user and a, have a, a profile on the platform. Or you can use the customer success model where we are helping you plan and organize your business and helping you get the real-time data on the, each job site. I got you. So what does it look like for folks all of a sudden, let's say a bulldozer breaks down or you got a piece of equipment that that you need service? Do they, is Hitch that platform as well? Or do they have, would they reach out to the supplier for that as well? It is, it is. It all runs through the, it all runs through the Hitch platform, right? So okay. on the platform itself, you'll be able to go in and, and let them know, hey, this needs to be serviced. Your customer success manager will also be letting them know. Because we work with both sides of the business, we have a great relationship with our suppliers to say, hey, this needs to be fixed and this needs to be fixed now, right? Our turnaround time is very fast. It won't be the situation where we send somebody out there and they say, well, I got to order this part and we got to make sure that this thing is ready. We're going to get a new piece of equipment out there same day, unless that's not what you want, right? So your SkyTrack, your 10K SkyTrack goes down. We're not going to just send a mechanic out there. We're going to send a mechanic out there with a backup piece of equipment. So if he can't get it fixed, your downtime is going to be minimal. Gotcha. No, that's certainly important. For, you know, being that this is a sort of a tech company, how important or how does AI and machine learning play a part in what you guys are doing? Because obviously that's something that's been a huge buzzword. Everyone is very interested in in this type of technology. Is that something that you guys are utilizing or what does that look like? It is. It's a very small part of what we do. Uh, okay. Honest. We're going to be obviously ever growing into that market. But the first thing that we are is a, is a transactional platform to help organize the oil and gas industrial space, right? So the rentals and the e-commerce purchases need to be tracked better. If you know, to put it in as simply as I can, it just needs to be tracked better. It needs to be monitored better, so that the people at the top and, and all the way to the bottom that are out, you know out on on site and actually doing the work, they know exactly what's being spent, where it is, and how much is being spent. Okay. Okay. No, that's, I mean, that's all, you know, that is extremely valuable for both end users and suppliers. So, I mean, so right now you've got your, your equipment. I would, to me, this seems like something that doesn't only just apply in oil and gas, but something that, that essentially could apply throughout many different industries. I mean, are you guys looking to capitalize on other areas and are, are you guys just really focusing on oil and gas or what, what other sort of arms are you looking to add on to this bad boy? Yeah, absolutely. The first one is probably the easiest one, which is construction, right? The rental and purchases side of this business are very, very similar, but really the marketplace is here to help all industries, right? You know, whether it's events, whether it's construction, whether it's oil and gas, really our goal is to be spread out all over the industrial sector and really have a hand in each market. That would be our goal. Okay. Okay. No, that's perfect. I mean, if you were to paint a perfect picture, what does the future look like for Hitched? Well, that's a bold statement. 
I would say are <laughs> always growing and always expanding and always changing. But we here here's what I'll say. We want to absolutely be able to help facilitate a transparent marketplace with real-time data in every industrial market in the world. That's what we're looking for. Okay. I think that's achievable, man. You guys keep working at it. I think the sky's the limit, especially with what's going on. And it doesn't seem like, to me, I haven't seen anything else like it. So I applaud you guys for, you know, for taking a leap of faith and, and capitalizing on and trying to create efficiencies and value in a space that most people probably already, you know, maybe didn't see opportunity. But being that you guys have, you know, yourself, Lance, that have teamed up with, with a field and ops expert such as Adam certainly makes a good dynamic there. So I think you guys have touched all angles and man, I, I see this thing taking off and, and, you know, from a business perspective, you guys also just finished, I say just not too long ago. And I, and I read this online, but you guys finished raising a bunch of capital too. Isn't that right? Yeah. We closed our series A in December with a, a venture capitalist group there in Houston. And you know, it's been it's been a roller coaster. It's been a it's been an amazing ride, and this was my first experience with venture capital, and I've learned a lot from the whole process. And it's been a lot of fun, and it's just continuing to grow, continuing continuing to grow, and I can't wait for the next steps. Nice, nice. That's good. Well, look before we close out here, and I want to respect your time. I just have a couple more questions, more from a personal perspective, but. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, as an athlete and someone who's obviously good at what he does, do you have any daily habits or routines that help keep you focused and motivated to keep grinding every day? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Something and my mom and dad would be super proud to hear me say this. Something that I've started doing in the last probably six weeks is I make my bed every single day. And I've I always, <laughs> nice. always used to give my mom a hard time like, no, I'll make it later. Why do I need to make it? I'm just going to get back in it tonight. But it's completely changed the start of my day, right? You know, I wake up every morning, I make my bed, I come downstairs. I, I'm a big cyclist. I love to, to ride the bike, stationary bike. Um, mm -hmm. I cycle for a minimum of, you know, 30 minutes to an hour every morning. But yeah, making my bed and, do, and being active first thing in the morning is something that I do seven days a week, 365 days a year. Nice. That's... I love to hear that. I'm a morning person. And so even when I don't have to get up early, I typically do. And so my motto, and I, and I can't, you know, quote this as being my own, but I heard it say, you know, win the morning, win the day. And that's been something that I've believed in for a long time. And so I can, I can certainly identify with you. And, you know, as a kid growing up, I always hated making my bed, but it's funny, you know, obviously, you know, when I wake up before my wife a lot of times and, and I'll even make my side of the bed so that all she has to do is make her side of the bed. And, but yeah, just, I feel like I do that. You know, I make my coffee. I usually move around a little bit in the mornings trying to be active. I typically hit the gym in the morning unless I got things going on, but but I'm a big morning person. And so, and I feel like a lot of people that have a good morning routine are very, you know, they're regimented, they're disciplined because at least they know that if they do the right thing in the morning, the rest of the day may not be that great, but at least they know that they won part of the day. And if you can set yourself up for success first thing in the morning, the rest is history. So man, I, I like that answer. One more question I have for you is what's something about you that maybe not many people know about any good hidden secrets or any unique hobbies that you'd like to unleash to the podcast world? Yeah. So my biggest thing is, you know, when I'm not working or if, if I have free time, I love to spend it with my family. And, you know, I am I am a self-proclaimed and self-glorified girl dad. I have three little girls. <laughs> so Ooh, I, all of the time that I have in my spare time is spent with them and 
my family and I do travel quite a bit for my for my job and growing and so for me it's it's really how can I spend as much time with them as possible and you know everyone I always get asked because I have three little girls three girls under five and everyone asks if I'm going to go for the boy and if the boy is something that I really want and to be completely honest I love being a girl dad I love my girls their personalities and so for me that would be probably one that people probably wouldn't wouldn't take right off the bat is I love having girls and I wouldn't trade it for the world. Nice. I have one daughter and I'm certainly a girl dad, but man, I applaud anybody out there who has three daughters. My one, my one daughter, she's turning, well, she's four, turning five. You must have a level of patience that outweighs most men out in the world right now. So I can imagine what you're going through, but it, the fact that you've embraced it, you love it, you obviously are a good dad, you work hard. I think you're setting a good example for your daughters and you know, and I respect the hell out of you for doing that, man. It's you've got a huge job ahead of you and shoot, man, between hitched and being a good father and a good husband, man. I, I wish you all the best and certainly excited to see where where you and the rest of the team go with this platform. And man, it's it, it's something that I th- hopefully you guys can continue to tell the story and just create value throughout the industry. And, you know, like you said, you're helping people and throughout this coronavirus you know, shenanigans that we're experiencing, man, hopefully hitched is a part of the solution and which I I'm assuming it would be, but do you have any closing last words before we log out of this thing, man? No, man. I just want to say thank you. And just, I really appreciate you having us on here and, and giving us this platform to speak about the current climate of, of our market in oil and gas and just the world in general. And, you know, the more help that we can provide for people out there in need, the better that, and that's a hitch thing. That's a me personally thing. I'm all about helping others and, and making making a difference in the world. If if I can, you know, when I when it's my time to go from this world, as long as I can look back and say, you know what, I made a difference, then then I can go pretty happily into the night. So, yeah, no, that's I can, I hear you there, man. Well, look, I appreciate your time. Lots of love and happiness to you and the family. Obviously, if you guys need any help with anything, OGGN and myself are always willing to help. Before we log out, I just want to take a few moments to tell everyone about some upcoming events, which may change but you know as of right now here's what we got hi everybody alex here with the events on deck so obviously we are in uh unprecedented times right now and have been unable to carry out our last couple of happy hours that we had scheduled for last month we have chosen to delay them and we'll continue to update you on when exactly we will be able to have those events again. Obviously, we're following along the recommended guidelines of the CDC and the World Health Organization. So we're really looking forward to seeing you and we're hoping that these events are going to happen sooner rather than later. But for now, stay tuned and we will keep you posted on those dates. Also, just want to say thank you to everyone for continuing to listen to Oil & Gas Global Network. We are fortunate to already have been a virtual company before the coronavirus and all of these issues started plaguing various countries. And we just want to continue bringing you guys the best information and to the best of our ability, keep you informed, especially while everyone is at home or at least most more people than ever before are at home. So We just would like to thank you for continuing to tune in and continuing to listen. And we hope that everyone is staying safe and we wish everyone the best. And thanks again. Awesome. Thank you. And anyone out there in the Houston area interested in playing oil field hockey, as of right now, 
we're on suspension mode. But once we get this thing kicked off, I'll be sending some links on LinkedIn. And that way, if you want to join the Hack and Whack crew for some old timer hockey, we do it every two weeks at Memorial City Mall Ice Rink. So hit me up on LinkedIn for more details and just keep an eye on everything. We'll be firing this thing back up just as soon as we can. And same thing with KTX Fit and Katy, Texas. If you're looking to get in shape for spring and summer, visit us out in Katy and get a free trial by telling one of the coaches that I sent you. Right now, we don't, we're not open, but as soon as we get that back open, then you know we'll welcome everyone back in. So thanks again for joining me today. Chris, what's the best way for people to reach out to you or to get to know more about Hitched? Yeah, so you can you can find me on LinkedIn. It's just Chris Walker. The best way to get more information on Hitched is the hitchedapp.com, which is our website, as well as on LinkedIn, just at Hitched App. All of the okay. information on our, our platform and what we're doing and what we offer is there. And you know, if there's any questions, feel free to reach out to us directly there or any of the sales reps in your local area. Awesome. Well, I'll put all those links in the show notes. That's why it's easy for everyone to access. And for all the listeners out there, be safe. Always give more than you take. And always remember when the density is up and the gas is down, open the choke. Let's go to town. Thanks, everybody. Thanks again for listening. Tune in next week for another episode of Oil & Gas Onshore, a production of Oil & Gas Global Network. For more information, visit OGGN.com.